and welcome to No Rest for the Weekend, where we go behind the scenes and talk to the creators of independent entertainment. I'm Jason Godby, and with me in the Rabbit Hole studio today, he is the producer of Dementia 13 and the new Catskill Park. He's also the man behind Pipeline Entertainment, Mr. Dan DiFilippo. Welcome, Dan. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you for coming back on the show. Now, people, if you if you're like, why haven't I seen this guy before? <laughs> Uh, we actually did an audio episode uh, with Dan and uh, Caitlin Ronan out at Pipeline. So that's episode 213. If you want to know more about Pipeline and Dan, uh, check that episode out. But he's here today to talk about uh, his new film and a new program they've got going on. So we'll get right into it because we've got a lot to talk about. Great. All right. So the first thing I want to talk about is the movie. Yes. So the movie's called Catskill Park. That's right. Yeah. And... Um, what can you tell us about it? It's uh, is it in the same line as dementia, or uh, is it completely different? Or tell us about it. It's very, very different than uh, Dementia Thirteen. You know, it's not a remake of a Coppola film, um, so it's not particularly as classic as the nineteen sixty three version of Dementia Thirteen. Um, it's kind of a first person thriller, science fiction horror film. You know, the quick pitch, four kids go camping, about 20 minutes in, one of them is literally abducted from above by a UFO, and it just becomes kind of a roller coaster ride after that moment. Um, and along the way, you know, a, a big alien conspiracy is discovered, footage of an alien autopsy. It's it's a pretty interesting uh movie. So you got horror, sci-fi, yep. X-Files kind of mm -hmm. thing going on. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, how many, now, it's called Catskill Park. Did you film actually film it in the Catskills? We filmed it actually in New Hampshire. In New Hampshire, okay. Yeah, during uh, the Halloween snowstorm where 36 <laughs> inches of snow fell overnight on day one. Wow, so man, you, that's production value right there. Uh, you, yeah, it's pretty uh, If you had incredible. to create that snow, that'd be a lot of snow for you to, to have to come up with. Millions of dollars. Um, Millions. So that, you know, that's, I mean, and did that, did you guys, now, so you weren't expecting the snow? It you, wasn't even in the script. So did you have to rewrite in order to put it in there? Yeah, day one, once we received the weather reports and I spoke with some of the locals and they assured me it was going to snow quite a bit. Um, you know, while my director was shooting, I actually wrote in the snow for the, the sequences leading up to when it started snowing and you know it it comes across flawlessly in the film that's great i mean that you'd be surprised at, uh you know if, if you've never done this before like mm -hmm. you'd be surprised at how many times that happens in a movie where some you know uh for force du jour comes and uh, you have to uh force measure I'm not, my french is terrible <laughs> force majeure force majeure yes. happens and you have to like uh go with it accordingly because you at that point you're already up and running you know, like the, oh, the yeah. film is There's going. There's no stopping. Yeah, so you and, know. and it's not like you can say, "Oh, let's just stop production and get everybody back." And so, who directed the film? Uh, Vlad Yudin, who we worked with previously on Last Day of Summer, that uh, is a movie we did about seven years ago. Stars Nikki Reed, DJ Qualls. So this it, is our second film we did with so him. So you guys already had a relationship there, and he's also one. He's yeah. one of your people, right? That you represent. No, we don't represent him actually. Oh, okay. We just have worked with him. He's a really talented writer director. And, you know, we work very well together. And uh, are there any stars in the film, or who can you tell us is in the film? Um, well, you know, it's a horror film, so we didn't need the A-list, so to speak. But uh, you know, it stars Lauren Francesca, who's a big YouTube influencer. Alexander Sandis, who I've worked with. 
a couple times before. He was in our film Shockwave Dark Side, a 3D movie we did. Gregory Lay, who's been in a ton of stuff. Melissa Haley Smith. These are your four leads that are going to encounter this, uh, the whole alien, alien thing. So uh, have you guys done sci-fi? I know you've done horror before. Right. But is this the first like sci-fi alien type script that you've done? Um, straight alien horror, yes. Uh, you know, the Shockwave Dark Side film literally takes place on the moon in the future. So I would say it's our second science fiction film, but it's very, very different from that movie as well. It sounds very cool. Like, I mean, the one thing that I've noticed, and and you guys are doing it, and people like Blumhouse are doing it. Mm -hmm. Like, all of these like scrappy little horror films mm -hmm. are coming up, and they're they're making bank. Like, they're getting there's a great market for them. One thing I, I didn't uh, I didn't ask you before, but I, I think it's a good question. Is like in your and I asked Richard Lemay when he was here about right. like sort of what makes a good horror movie. Mm -hmm. What do you think? What are the elements that you think that in terms of when you put a movie together? Because as a producer, you're kind of omniscient. You're seeing all, overseeing all the different departments. You're seeing right. the, the overall production. But what are the elements that you feel need to come together to make a good script like this, where you have horror and sci-fi and stuff like that? I don't know, you know, if you had special effects and all that kind of stuff. But. We do. We have quite. I mean, we had Lauren suspended, you know, fifty feet in the air over the woods. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's quite a bit of um, visual effects uh, that Wayne Harry Johnson, who we've used tons of times before, he's one of the clients. And you had um, um and and you're kind of like you know sort of puppet master getting all this all these elements to come course, together. Yeah, yeah. Um, what what do you, if you were to give um, if you were to give future producers out there advice mm -hmm. on like producing a, a movie like this for like uh, either a first or second feature or, right. or or something that what would what would you say to them? Well, I mean, even in the, you know, heavy genre space of horror and science fiction, it's all about story. You know, you need an underlying story. I mean, Catskill Park is a is really, you know, a love story. It's um, love and loss is kind of the the um, underlying theme. So and it's not just about the, monsters and all no, that kind of stuff. No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> then we add the aliens in for, you know. And I, th I think that's key. Like, Richard said the same thing when he was here. It's like, you know, it's about, he, he, says, he, can, he said he considered a horror movie a drama where stuff got out of hand. Exactly, you know? yeah. And uh, you, if, you're not, if you're not making a story about people and real characters, mm -hmm. I think you're in trouble. Like Absolutely. If, if it becomes about the monsters and the special effects and, you know, the strange light from the sky, you, you, know, you, know, like, you know how much of a movie. Um, that's like a kid with After Effects you know, exactly. kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so, um, how, how many days did you guys take to make it? Uh, we made Catskill Park in 16 days shooting. Wow. Yeah. So, you're, you're humming. Like, that's... Oh, that, yeah. You, and, like, is it like a 90-page script, or is it, uh, is it was a fairly I, I short believe, film? I believe it was a little over 100, maybe 102, wow. So, you're, you're cranking out quite a few pages per day. Like, right, but, we, you know, we set it up up in New Hampshire where... Um, it was kind of like a campus in a sense. Every location, aside from what we filmed in New York, was in a th three mile radius. Oh, that's convenient. Yeah. yeah. So you're not, you don't, when I think that's one of the things that, you know, producers do that can really make a director's life easier or mm -hmm. make a production go smoother. It's, it's all about location, location, location. Absolutely. And just like, 
having stuff so you're not schlepping all over the mountains right. trying to find something or trekking out into the wilderness, um, which you know a lot of films like this do. Right. You know, they wind up you spend more time traveling and loading people mm-hmm. into vans and getting you know the craft service truck over there than you actually do shooting. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Did you guys do a lot of nights on that? It was almost all nights. Wow. That that must have been so much fun for everybody involved. (laughs) In the snow? Yeah, nights in the snow. Oh, it was fantastic. (laughs) So I I guess, you know, that that would be some of the challenges of making a film like that, is that you have, um, you you know, you have nights, you have weather. Right. um, And then you're, you know, dealing with both... You de- now with the special effects, you're dealing with both mechanical and digital effects. Yeah. So the, it's. Did you guys have a VFX person on site to? We did. Work we, with that? we flew Wayne out from Minnesota for a week, and he kind of prepped everything, and we tried to shoot all the practical while he was there, and then uh, you know he had a very good kind of blueprint for what to do once we delivered him the film for you know the additional effects that they put in. It. I. I, I want to see it. I mean, I, I love. Uh, one of my, I think my favorite horror sci-fi is Alien, the original Alien. Uh-huh. Great um, movie. And uh, I think it's like one of the. It's, I mean, it's it, uh, Richard called it a perfect film, and I am very. Yeah. I, I think I might agree with him. Uh, so anything like that, and uh, a buddy of mine is a huge X Files fan. So right. Like, um, I, I think those those are your those are your core audience right there. Thousand um, percent. Yeah. Totally. Uh, where's the film available now? It's all over places like iTunes. It's on you know YouTube movies. Voodoo, uh, geez, it's it's on 16 different pay-for-streaming platforms now. And then it goes to DVD and Blu-ray in about two weeks. And then it goes to broadcast. And then it'll go to the Netflixes of the world and all that jazz. And, you know, while that's happening, our foreign sales guys are Oh, So by, by the, the time this goes up, this, it'll be everywhere. Like, it'll be yeah, all over the Yeah, tube. we did everything except a theatrical... Um, and that's from a total cost perspective. Okay. We didn't want to be behind a million-dollar theatrical really? release. Really? Like, because I keep hearing, for even for smaller movies, mm-hmm. that it's worth it to do a theatrical run because you can make some of your money back. Ish. Ish. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely an ish. I mean, our domestic distributor is uh, Entertainment Studios, Motion Pictures, and Freestyle Releasing. It's Byron Allen's new company. And, it, you know, just from talking with them, it, this is a better way of doing things, you know? Yeah, well, I also think it's about where, you know, because I've asked people at film festivals and I've seen, you know, I've seen similar type projects where uh-huh. somebody's got a, a a cool little feature that they've done that's a low-budget right. feature or whatever. And I'm like, where do you see this going? You mm-hmm. know, where's the distribution? And a lot of people say, well, we'll do a short theatrical run and then they're really aiming for streaming or something like that. But right. it's like, where's the audience? Where, you know... And for you guys, this is, you're probably going to find your audience better than trying to do the hype and the marketing and all the that business that you would do completely. For, yeah, and it's so much more cost effective. In fact, you know, we just finished up with uh, Twitch LA, which the studio hired for the social media campaign, marketing, and such, and they did an amazing job. The trailer, three hundred thirty thousand views in three weeks, one point four million reach. Just through you know Facebook and all those different social media platforms, which is relatively inexpensive compared to you know putting TV ads totally. out there or running your trailer in the theater and stuff like that. I, I a feel a lot like, less expensive. Yeah, I and feel, what's nice about Byron's company is he owns I think ten TV stations oh, as cool. well. So the thirty second trailer was running within his 
world of broadcast television. I mean, they have a really good model. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think for, um, it, you know, it saddens me in a way mm-hmm. because, well, I don't know if I love the theatrical experience now or I just <laughs> love my memory of the theatrical experience. Right, right. Uh, I went to see a movie um, a little while back and like there was like a, a couple that just did not stop talking through the whole thing. Ugh. And I was like, you know what? I could be in my living room right, <laughs> with my with my big screen TV. Pause it for popcorn. Yeah, breaks, I just know? like, but you know, I, the I do kind of miss the theater as a communal space. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, there was a great DP um, who, Michael Chapman, uh, who called it, I think I got his name right, he worked on films like Jaws and Taxi Driver. And right. he said that, uh, you know, the, the, the movie theater was the, the church of the 20th century. You know, I and, agree. And, and now it's like the home theater is becoming uh, the way to reach people. And I, I, I wish there was almost a, combita- a combination of the two, or maybe we get people to behave better. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, everybody now, like they're, if they're watching it on a big enough TV and they have a good enough sound system, they can still get the experience without the headaches. And, right. And know, it's, I mean, it's less expensive. Yeah. As well. Yeah, you know? I, mean, I mean, you know, theater's expensive. What's your Netflix membership now? It's like 10 bucks a month or something like that. So right. you can get all these different movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, for, for guys like you, at what for what you're doing, mm-hmm. I, I, that's probably where your, your audience lives more. You know, so you could spend all that money and put it in theaters. But right. would you make would you make that back? And how no. big a risk is that? You, you know? wouldn't. You know, you, you, you're certain you wouldn't. Right. Certain. Okay. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it depends on the spend, obviously. Right. But I mean, especially for a movie like this, where it's not Star Wars, you know, you don't need to see it on an enormous screen. It's it's almost better viewed on, a, you know, a flat screen TV with great sound because it's a more intimate experience. And it's that kind of movie. You are the characters in this movie. You so know? There's a lot of like sort of POV, and you're very yeah, kind of close to we it. We literally invented a camera. No, really, really, a camera rig to shoot the film. No kidding. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's like a swing bar that comes out this way, and it's always following our lead. And it's that's really cool. Absolutely cool. Now, now I really want to see it because I love stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna move on, but that mm-hmm. sounds very cool. The movie's called Catskill Park. That's right. Uh, yeah. On a on a video streaming platform somewhere near you. Uh, <laughs> actually, they're all near you. They're all um, near. Yeah. And so I wanted to talk to you. I want to talk to you about upcoming projects, but first, sure. I want to talk to you about onset what's your pitch for onset if you had to you're you're a producer so you're good at pitching so right. pitch, pitch, <laughs> pitch me and pitch look look right here and, and pitch the audience uh the onset experience well it's kind of a revolutionary model for film school really where um you know tuition is actually treated as an investment in the film that we make in year two the feature film um so it's essentially it's going to film school for less than the cost of community college and making your tuition back as an investment. So you have basically like you have people you have you have about what is it like 20 or 30 uh, interns that come in. Well, not interns. They're actual students. They're students. It's a whole program. So our first class will be 30 individuals. And uh, as I as I said, we over the course of two years, fifty two weeks a year. It's not your typical kind of college schedule. Uh, there are a number of things going on. We develop a screenplay with each student. First and foremost, you need to at least write one screenplay if you're going to make movies, mm-hmm. just to understand that process and how maddening it can be. 
Um, another element, guest lectures weekly, and we're talking about Academy Award-winning producers, Emmy Award-winning directors, TV packaging agents from William Morris Endeavor, CAA. You know, a big part of this program is not only the creative, but learning the actual business side of the business. That's interesting because I find that a lot of kids come out of film school and they know how to work cameras and sound equipment mm -hmm. and they know the basics of, you know, how a set works and stuff like that. Right. But the uh, the paperwork involved in a movie and like how to set up an LLC and how to you know do deal with legal and rights and right. copyright and uh, that's all stuff well, that even talent deals yeah. back end deals I mean there's operating agreements you know there's so much that goes into just setting up a film to be successful and these kids in film school are not learning any of it I know from personal experience lecturing at places like SVA, Tisch, all these kids call me after they graduate and they ask to work for free for Pipeline. Yeah, because and they're $200,000 in debt. Yeah, because they have no idea how like the back office stuff works. Right. And, and you know, it's, it's probably something where people are questioning, what is film school? Should mm -hmm. I go to film school? Right. Uh, you know, and for it for I think for some people it's great and I think for you know for some of the big schools if you're going to NYU if you're going to US, you know USC or somebody like that you're doing it for the people that you're going to meet there and the context that you're going to mm -hmm. get but you know in terms of producing films there's a whole there's, there's a whole life that you never get introduced to in film school right and that's unfortunate like there should be those like there should be a producer track where they teach mm -hmm. you all that stuff and, you know, I tell people, I told a young man recently, he's like 18, wants to come to New York and be an actor. Right. And I said, you know, um, you wanted to skip college. I said, don't do that. But I said, take some business courses. Like, Absolutely. Le learn how to do your yep. taxes. Learn yeah. how to do, like, learn how to deal with, like, multiple 1099s. Learn right. how to, you know, because nobody teaches you that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're, you know, $8,000 in debt to the IRS and you didn't know what you did. Exactly, um, yeah. And films are the same way. Like, uh, I was talking to a producer last night about a film he's working on. And he's like, you know, listen, we've got to follow these protocols because we're dealing with SAG actors. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have these and SAG comes around, we're screwed. Like, we have to get yep. this stuff in line mm -hmm. because you're dealing with these different unions. And the more that you deal with, the more you deal with Teamsters, Producers Union, Directors uh -huh. Union, Writers Guild. Exactly. You have to have all this stuff in place. And uh, it's painful. Nobody wants to think about it or do about it, uh, you know, do anything about and it. forget like, about deliverables. Yeah. You know? Let's, let's talk about that for a minute. And distribution <laughs> or let's and not. deals and stuff like that. <laughs> so all of that is just right. like, uh, you know, to me it's like, it's a total headache, and I, like, I kind of want to. I have the same reaction everybody else does. Like, I want to stick my head in the sand and just yeah. hope it goes away. But it never goes away. It never goes away. Uh, and the and the longer <laughs> you the longer you delay, the worse it gets. Oh yeah. Uh, but that's great. I think you know because this show is all about the practical and teaching right. people sort of like practical life skills mm -hmm. that um, will help them in the industry and uh, something like that could be very useful. So, uh, very. Uh, I think. The fact that you even thought to do this is great. And you guys are benefiting, too, because you're getting young talent, um, and they're working with you. And when, Now, when you say the tuition acts as an investment in the film, like right. how does that work? It's amazing. Um, so, first of all, we're at a third of, as I mentioned, what any huge film school charges. I think it works out to, like, a little under 500 bucks a week. Right. Now, the tuition is 
a legitimate investment in a film. So, so you're, out you're, of the gates, you're going in there. You're paying a certain amount of money for mm-hmm. the tuition, and then that tuition is actually going toward the film that you're going to make with the students. That's exactly right. And then the feature if, film. And that film, yeah. So you're not making a short or something like no, that. No, because you know what? Know how many NYU short films I've ever seen? None. I don't want to see them. You know. Right, because when you guys deal with directors, now you represent talent. So yeah. like when you deal with directors, you probably don't even look at folks who haven't done a feature yet. You know? No, I don't. Uh, so, you know, just having having a feature under your belt and going through that experience. But then, if the film makes money, can they then make their money back? That's exactly it. That's I amazing. Mean, with Pipeline, we, with the release of Catskill Park, we have a hundred percent track record of feature films we've produced that have gone on for domestic and international distribution, which is big in this space. Yeah, a lot of people don't. Well, you guys got the right formula. You're able to make films at the right level mm-hmm. and sell them at the right price so that your distribution deal is giving you money back and you can go and right. make, the next, make the next feature. And you're not killing yourselves by, you know, you're not making $150 million movies. No. Um, and uh, I think that's the business model. I mean, uh, it seems to really play now in sci-fi and horror mm-hmm. and, like, real genre pieces. Yep. Uh, it would be nice if it worked in comedy and dramas a little bit better because uh, people want to make those films. But right, right. Maybe with streaming, there's more of a platform to see those. Sure. Um, but I think it's. I think that's. it sounds great. Um, I'm going to ask you, we got to wrap up in, mm-hmm. like, two minutes here, but uh, is, there, are there, is there anything upcoming from Pipeline right now that's going to be out in 2019 that you, you want to talk about? Or yeah, can you tell me about? Well, well, we're out with a new project. It's a really fun holiday script. Um, you know, and again, like the blueprint's amazing. Could be made five to thirty million. Uh, but yeah, we we literally just started pitching that around town, Hollywood, New York. So hopefully, in a couple of weeks, we'll have some good news on that front. You know, fantastic, fantastic. And then you know, when that comes out, you know. Have somebody, yeah, absolutely. You know, either you or the director or somebody uh, come in and t- we'll talk about it. You, but should, you should come down to set, do a, a uh, interview live on set or something. We should, That'd you know, I've been, uh, I did a, uh, a few episodes back, I did a, a behind the scenes of a commercial with a director called Blake Farber. Right. And, um, you know, got some great stuff. I'd love to do more of that and, yeah. like, be able to show it. That would be very cool. Like, the pro- in process. Yeah, you know? that would be very cool. It's a cool. holiday film, so there's, like, It'll look now. It's not a holiday. Is it a holiday horror film? Like are people getting axed in this movie? It's called Playing Santa. Guy comes home and gets roped into playing Santa for his entire neighborhood, door to door, and you know, chaos and comedy ensues. Okay, so you know, no one. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. Hopefully, no one dies. No one dies in that one. No No one gets chopped up. And you know, Santa shows up at the end. It's great. Fabulous. Fabulous. (laughs) All right, so I'm going to wrap up here, but uh, before I go, where can people learn more about you and Onset and all that kind of stuff on the web? Uh, Well, Pipeline Entertainment's pipeline-talent.com, and Onset is onsetfilmschoolnyc.com. Fabulous. All right, so thanks so much for coming. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me. Thank you guys for uh, taking this trip down the rabbit hole. For more episodes of this show, you can always find them on our website, btrp.nyc slash podcast. You can also find us on all the major podcast channels, including Anchor, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, etc., etc. Thanks for, for watching, and we'll see you next time.